just shoot her. Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the... Uh-oh. He's already laughing. <laughs> Will you please what? pick an intro and just stick with it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, man. It's okay. Smacks <laughs> it that way. <laughs> I know, right? So anyway, here we are. Uh, we're back again. Tuesday, our usual time. Um, I think Riley was six five zero, and we're we're hanging out with Riley tonight. From right, is that you? Right, you're there. Right. Yep. Okay. Yes, sir. Awesome. See? Yeah. Beautiful. Riley's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna hang out tonight. Talk about Tuesday. That was a little Rileyism right there. I needed a catchy title. I like it. I dig it. <laughs> I had so I had cool. nothing. I had nothing to contribute. So know. you know, way to go. Well, you know, I know. It's all I, good, I, right? Eight Thanks, years though. worth of yeah. <laughs> yep, you're welcome. So, but there's like a plethora of topics to talk about because you and I were Whew. shooting yeah, through we were... some of them at the in, in before Riley came on. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I lo- I love like disconnecting from Facebook for like a week and then like yeah. going back in and you're like, holy hell, there's popcorn pictures watching. everywhere, man. <laughs> I, I, I love watching all this stuff happen. It's like, you know, it's like watching a train wreck sometimes. And you're like, oh, wow. Didn't need so, to happen, but okay. <sighs> yeah. So there was, uh, yeah, there was some controversial topics that uh, have come up on the past couple of days, and figured we hit on that. Talk about some breeding. I know Riley's killing it this season. We'll see what he has going on. So um, far, he is beating the both of us right now when it comes I to know. like Morelia production. And um, I guess does, might, is he now the host of NPR? Is that how it works? Yeah, we might be replaced, like, man. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, yeah. you now have a third job. Congratulations. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. crap. Oh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Plus two. So, so how's for before we jump into anything, man? How's the zoo job going? Is it going good? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's um I was just talking to one of the other keepers today like I'm sort of having to refresh like my mental approach to my days and my days off. Um, mm-hmm. and like it's a, there's a lot more to process and keep track of and then communicate back and forth. So, um, it's sort of like re-exercising my brain in a zoo type way, which has been interesting, but, um, it's been great. It's, uh, being away from it and then being able to get back into it. It really like gave me a second chance and an added layer of perspective to it. And I just appreciate it so much more. And, uh, it feels much more appropriate. Like it's right. Like, you know, I know it's the, the right gig for me. So I'm pretty happy mm-hmm. about it. Um, and I'm, you know, still working with the reptiles for the most part, but I also get to do a few other things that are new. So can't complain about that. Cool. Man. Can you, that's awesome. Can you kind of tell everybody who, uh, that's listening 
what you're working with and uh the, there's you know, nobody listening i know that <laughs> so unpopular so <laughs> nobody listens what are you talking about no one listens to this crap um yeah um yeah and i guess i should uh cover my bases before but Anything that I say is related today is not uh, an opinion of the zoo and or reflection of the zoo. It is solely my opinion and statements yeah. alone. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, you so, got to yeah, be we, careful, you know, man. Wanna make, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just want to make that clear. I'm not speaking on behalf of the zoo this evening, you know, so right. um, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything I'm not supposed to. So, right. Um, but it's uh so it's they've got a lot of different turtles. Um, we've got some <laughs> Hamilton's pond turtles, which are really cool. They have these like super black heads with tons of white spots all over them. Um, we have uh, several dozen western pond turtles, which are an endangered species locally and kind of up throughout the western coast of the United States. Um, and we're sort of doing some research on some interesting uh, shell conditions as a result of captive you know husbandry compared to the wild so we're getting some information out there into the public domain about that which is interesting um we've got a couple monkey tail skinks hmm. uh puerto rican boa uh oh cool we have uh uh 1.3 golden coin turtles the cuora trifasciata they're like one of the top 25 rarest species of turtle in the world. Um, and we have three of them and they're really awesome, like super amazing turtles. Um, we have a blue tree monitor, a green Sanzinia. Um, he's an adult too. And he's awesome. It's like, I'm like, uh, it's, I'm like, yeah, people would want that. People would want that. People would want that. It's like, yeah. I'm like, yes, yeah, yeah. If this was a table, you'd yep. be the most popular one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Golden mantellas, green mantellas. Uh, we have a European legless lizard, uh, some chakwalas. Uh, we have one of the biggest, most beautiful male toke geckos I've ever seen. And <laughs> I have yet to be bit by him thus far, which is fantastic. It's also weird. Normally, yeah, but, you'd figure that'd be the first one to get you. I mean, yeah. Well, I had to catch them up the very first week. Um, they're yeah. like, "Okay, we got to get weights. You go, rookie." And I'm like, "Ah." And uh, <laughs> I thought I had him like on this bamboo pole where he was like sleeping, and I was like, "Oh." I like turned my hat backwards. I was like in the zone, and I was getting ready to catch him, and he turns around full 180, stands up squares. I mean, was, ah! and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> damn it." Uh, <laughs> then I had to change my approach and I just went super fast ninja's hands and I did the old 42 fake out where I fake him with the left and grab him with the right and uh, it went off without a hitch and I got a nice mark out of it and got my hand in the perfect position where he couldn't wiggle and get me and it was perfect everything went smoothly so um, nice. no, nobody lost any blood so that was fun <laughs> um, we have a big female rhino iguana who uh, really likes me, which is fortunate because she doesn't like one of my other coworkers at all. Um, <laughs> and she's just kind of, you know, she's just a big lizard that'll kind of bully you around, so she's fun. Um, we have our only crocodile is a, a smooth-fronted caiman, so it's not really a croc, but he's an eight-year-old, and he's about four and a half feet, and he's feisty. 
Um, so nice. he's, he's pretty fun. I'm looking forward to doing more with him. Um, we have a Condro in the back space who uh, is pretty nice, like green and yellow mixture with some blue hues. I have no idea what he is. You know, I don't even know his history, but he's old. Yeah. He's a tree um, snake. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a few odds and ends, some cool stuff. Um, and then outside of the reptiles, I get to work with uh, the Okapi. See, um, can you just, like, sneak one of them out the back for me? I mean, I that'd be awesome. I mean, <laughs> is, is it's it gotta be easier. possible yeah. and capable of occurring? Um, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> but I, no, I like my job too much. <laughs> There'd have to be a lot no. of stuff in place, yeah. So yeah, no, that wouldn't that wouldn't go too well. Um, they wouldn't like me very much if I did that. And I, I like stole, them, and I like my job. If you stole the Okapi, I would imagine your bosses would have something to say about that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we'll hold off on that. That's yeah, awesome. They're right? a lot I of mean, work anyway. I'd rather they I'd rather they stay in the zoo. They 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 go to the bathroom a lot. It's a giraffe with shorter legs. I mean, that's pretty much what you're looking at. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or as they call it, a hobbit giraffe. Mm. It's, it's a huge giraffe. If you put if you put the copy next to an actual giraffe, you have the hosts of NPR right there. You have the midget giraffe and the actual normal giraffe. Right. Yeah. Tony you know, used some unpopular yeah. language. I can't say, so we're gonna go with hobbit. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's 2019, Tony. What? Yeah, I know. Come on, Tony. There's a lot of snowflakes in the world. Come on, man. <laughs> anyway, all right. Getting on to it. Yes. Uh, now that we've <laughs> now that we've warmed up. <laughs> no, no problem, Tony. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna start banning people from the chat like Twitter does. No, but then <laughs> you're we permanently banned. Anyway. We can't get rid of him. We need him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so what do you right. guys think about diamond pythons, huh? <laughs> they're they're fun, Morelia. That like it a little bit colder. Why? What's going on? Wow, there's a lot of, a lot of um, I just sort of stumbled. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Owen and I were chatting about it before the show, but um. Cypress Creek uh, bloodline, mm. or I should say line of uh, diamond pythons. Always a uh, been one of those ones that are sort of uh, um, a topic for uh, <laughs> their question mark. <laughs> Controversial topic, if you will. Um, yep. And I was trying to think about. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so we'll get to you. You wait your turn. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I have some thoughts right. on it, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I, I think I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't no, know to... <laughs> no, no, you're overthinking it. Just go yeah. first instinct. Just go for it. If it's if it causes controversy, let so it happen. It. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> I'm not necessarily. I get, I get. So I guess the thing of it is, I don't know what you guys mm-hmm. think, but this whole pure thing, 
I can't. Well, this is why I was paused, though, and because I'm going to have to bring up Australia, and you're going to yell yes, at you me. Are. No, I'm you tired were going to yell at. You, were, you, oh my you God, did it in the pre-show. Just, just take your medicine and let's move on, okay? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I, I just think like the whole idea of, uh, you know, pure to me has kind of changed. Um, I know that there are, I'm, I'm not, I'm not discouraging any lines of, of, of things that are pure or have been here. I guess at the end of the day, the more and more I look at it, you're just, eventually you're taking somebody's word for something and it's yes. whether or not you want to believe that person. I personally take a lot of stock in who I've bought animals from that have told me that mm-hmm. they're quote unquote pure. Um, and I believe them, but I guess, you know, and this subject has been beat to death, um, but that particular, <laughs> yeah, right. That particular line of diamonds, um, I guess there was always uh, some, some controversies uh, surrounding it. And um, something came to light today that, that, you know, Brandon did some research and um, he sort of uh, got the story of them. So, you know, and then, you know, the debate comes up, the guy kind of, I guess he kind of told three different stories or whatever. Mm. However, I guess the story was, is that they were kind of smuggled. Um, is that true? That might is just, that not true? Well, if they I were mean, smuggled, I, that justifies the other stories because maybe he was trying to kind of not get in trouble. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think if if that I hear they frown to... upon smuggling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess if I was involved in that, I would probably not try to lie my as ass well. off too. <laughs> you but, know, I mean, but it, the whole herp the culture in the United States, especially when it pertains to Australia, when the borders were open and we could import things, nobody gave a damn about figuring out where things were from or tagging localities. So. Well, yeah. So to sit there and say things like pure jungle and pure coastal and pure diamond, eventually you're right. You go back to your well, yeah, I pulled it out of a box and it said Australia on it. <laughs> I guess I guess the problem I have with this debate in particular is is that mm. I can see both sides of it, right? Yeah, so, I can too. And I understand, like you know, like why you would want to keep you know diamonds that you have a particular bloodline why you would want it to be uh, not mixed with stuff that could be questioned um i would think all three of us probably have animals in our collection that have undocumented lineage right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah yep so yeah i guess the question is why why is it that you know, and maybe just the diamond python in particular, like diamond python keepers in particular, like people that just focus solely on diamonds, are more intense about you know bloodlines. Um, but well, the qu- oh, go ahead. I mean, I know that diamond python bloodlines is something that they definitely peep. The the big diamond python breeders definitely put a lot of stock into bloodlines and purity. Yeah, and. That's just the way they've always been. Sure. And we've had these numerous conversations, and it, and it's always the same answer. You know, if if pure blood is really something that really screams to you and you want to make sure that your animals are the purest stock you can get, 
there are people out there who are selling that. You have to go to them. If you don't care, then there are other ways to get your animals. But don't get upset when you buy the cheap stuff and people kind of turn their nose up at it because it's not the expensive stuff. It's like, you know, you, you can't take you can't take a Ford Fiesta to a Mustang, you know, convention. It will not go over well. You know, it's it's like that. So if if you do care about this stuff, go find those guys. If you just want to if something about these animals just speaks to you, go work with them and don't give a shit about what everything else goes. Understand that you probably can't demand the same price. So, I, I don't know. That's I kind of I you know, I I just yeah, you're right. And there's coastal lines that are undocumented and there's jungle Plenty. lines of undocumented and it seems like it seems to me like the jungles get the greatest pass. It's just like if it's yellow uh, and black, black and yellow, there? it must be. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny is you talk to anybody who's been to Australia or who has seen a wild jungle and they're like, jungles don't look like that. I'm like, I know. They're like, you know, you don't understand. They don't look like that. So we can sit here and say those are pure jungle, even though they look nothing like their wild counterparts. <laughs> I don't know. So, so. I guess, yeah, you're right. But mm. thanks for saying that for me, Owen. You're welcome. <laughs> I, figured I'd, uh, I figured I'd jump in there and be like, you know, Eric, when you were in Australia, you experienced this. And this way, you know, you can well, feel better about it, and I can just say it for you. I liken these threads. I don't know how you guys feel, but I liken the threads when, when the Australian keepers or herpers or whatever get involved because they're there. Yes. You know what I mean? And they see different phenotypes from different localities and like they actually can go to the locality and say, okay, this is a Gosford diamond. This is a Illawarre or something like that. Diamond. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry, Scott, if I screwed it up, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, I, I think sometimes our idea of what is, what is, is, uh, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird, and I don't know, man. I, I guess like I think like you know the idea that we're not releasing them back into the wild, that's never for sure. You know, no. it's not going to happen. No. Um, so you know, I don't think that that that's an issue. But I get it. You know, you want like so if somebody told me they had like an imbricata cross, I probably would still buy it, but it wouldn't be the same. You know what I mean? Be pissed <laughs> off. He, he would be like. Oh man! I Eric's almost so had the <laughs> counting money out. He's like, "You bastard!" I'm at ninety-eight percent full carpet python, Son of a uh, bitch. <laughs> carpet python uh, species and subspecies. Uh, you know, uh, but you know, I don't know. So anyway, this uh, this Cypress Creek is uh, is one of those lines that have always been. And you know, what's weird is like, mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not involved in the diamond python community as much and just kind of in the overall um but like if you add i've asked numerous people one-on-one not in facebook or anything like that like so why is cypress creek questionable and like a lot of times i don't get an answer like oh i don't know so like trying to trying to not just take somebody's word for it but like give me the facts and let me make a decision on whether or not i think they are or they're not you know what i mean um, 
are we kind of thinking that this was kind of just looked down upon by a certain number of diamond python breeders and then everybody else just caught on? Well, no, I, I mean, I think it's questionable. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, like, like I said, I, I can see both sides of the argument. I see that the, 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 you know, the people that, that don't keep that line for whatever reason, they, they there's an animal that, you know, whether or not they believe it, again, it comes back to whether or not, you know, okay, let's look at this. Okay. Do, do I know for a fact that the Palmerson jungles that I have came from Palmerson? No, I don't know. No, I'm just trusting. Trust, I'm just trusting the guy I bought him from, and he's well, trusting the even, guy that he bought him from. Let's go through yeah. this. You guys, you guys, both of you, you and Riley have uh, farm bred. You sure? That's right. You know? Yeah, maybe. We don't they know. Came from a farm. What I don't know. What's in the farm? You seen the parents? I don't know. What's going on? You hear the well, shit he's talking, wait, Riley? Wait, wait. Come on, man. I'm going to start well, wait, this right no. now. Owen, back Owen, me up. Do you really think? Do you really think that they could even possibly have something from Australia out there in Indonesian farms? Well, I, how do you know that these Indonesian guys just didn't go to a reptile show and buy a carpet python? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It, uh, it's more likely easier you are, and less illi- and not illegal for them to just get something from the farms <laughs> in Indo that's yeah. in their jurisdiction. Yes. That's perfectly legal. Yeah. Rather than swim on down to Oz and uh, like you know crotch a carpet python across, you know like that. <laughs> this isn't a metal show. This is not, that's not how this works. Oh man! I, I've seen I've seen Eric's. I'm pretty sure there's, there's some green tree blood in it's, those. I mean, I would just it's automatically it's follow sort the of whole similar, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of similar to what the Condro guys kind of go through, right? I mean, yes. you know, yeah. with the locality stuff, you, you're taking but, somebody's word for it. They call it a low, uh, and this is an Aru type. This is a Bioc type. Or even if it's not what you would find in Bioc, right? Even if it's n- that is not what you would find, right? <laughs> for whatever reason, we've applied that name to this phenotype. You know what I mean? And that, the green tree python thing is so screwed up because they're like, this is from this. There are no green trees on that island. The only reason it's called that is because it was painted on the side of a box because that's where the airport is. Easy. <laughs> Easy, buddy. Like your Timor python. <laughs> There's a line. You <laughs> just crossed over it. That is not. I, I did not. Shit's that about is... to get real. Oh, Go Riley, ahead. You I don't... up for the wrong yeah. show, bro. Oh, <laughs> uh. You mean Send all right complaints show. to RileyJimison at gmail.com. Anyway, but... Um, Riley A. Jimison. I'm sorry. Okay, better. Right, I'm there sorry. There you go. Get it right, <laughs> I man. Well, I didn't want to actually mean. give them your email, <laughs> but okay. Go for it. Bring the heat. Um, bring <laughs> the heat. <laughs> that's the thing. We're used to it, right? Whole, you're hitting at the whole oh, yeah. thing that is wrong with U.S. herpticulture. We learn something... Ooh. And we take it as fact, and then it is so hard to let go of it when other evidence is presented to us. What is a jaguar? A jaguar is a co-dominant. No, it's not. It's incomplete dominance, but we won't let go of it. You know, are there, are there green tree pythons in Manaquari? No. It's like, you know, but we won't let go of it. So That's strike two for you, bro. Stop it. <laughs> So, and now we're sitting here and it's like, so these diamond pythons might not be pure. Oh, wait, they might be pure. But 
some people have already decided way back when that these things are not pure and they will never work with them. That's it. We're done. So, so, so I guess my question at the end of the day is why does anybody give a shit? Like, why do you care? Because I, I, cause they want to feel special about it. It's like, dude, we have, I have the Riley. high contrast. I have the high contrast Queensland. Thank you, Riley. Yeah. The, go ahead. Uh, thank <laughs> you. There you go. I have the high contrast Queensland. The only thing that's even telling you what the hell it is is because it was printed on a box that product. I don't, they well, may not have even come from Queensland. We don't, it's all assumptions. You know, I, I pre-talked to Rob before the show started, and now oh, did you? all my okay. yeah, I did, and all my uh, all my all my good points are now lost in my head somewhere, and I can't I can't find them. Yeah. Why didn't you write <laughs> them down? It sounded so good when I was talking to Rob. Holy shit! Anyway, um, damn it, Rob. Citrus Tiger, right? So yeah, here's an example of how things can get twisted, and I'm watching it in real time. Right, I'm watching it unfold in real time. I have been tagged in I can't tell you how many posts about citrus tigers that I started that line. I did not start that line. That was Will Bird. But here's the thing. I bought the whole third clutch. The yeah, entire clutch. I bought the whole thing. Right? The second clutch I bought a pair from and he sold a bunch of others to people that I kinda knew at the time and you know, it's 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 kinda out there. And then the first clutch, that's when I saw them and I was like, oh, shit, I have to have these. These are amazing. You know, and I contacted Will. So Will really is the guy that 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 ate it. Right. So. Will's not really around on Facebook or maybe he doesn't have a podcast. I don't know. I don't know what puts me in the spotlight with that in particular, (laughs) maybe because I talked about it for the first three years of the podcast. Well, Maybe we don't know. Wilbert might have a podcast. You don't know. It's just, yeah, you he know. could be. I don't yeah. know. I would subscribe to it if he did. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, you know, with that in particular, you know, I do. I work with that line. I, I'm like invested in that line. And, you know, they make some stunning animals. But like I can see like 20 years from now, there will be no Wilbert. It will only be Eric Burke. And you know what well, I mean? And it's kind of like also, you see it sort of just like like the information is kind of getting lost and like I, I, I can imagine that at some point along the way, we're talking about like the late nineties. That's like yeah. more than 20 years ago. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 I had to do quick yes. math. Yes, you did. But um, you can imagine about how many times a story has been passed from person to person to person and how it's been, you know, twisted or something's been added or somebody's opinion is, is sort of put in there as they're, you know, talking it's about facts. this and like, yeah. and so game of telephone. It, mm-hmm. Correct. And like, I'm telling you this, like people would say, I keep, I keep looking at the uh, pictures on the, the chat. Cause I have it up on my computer and my eyes keep going to your citrus tiger head albino <laughs> that you have. And I'm just looking at it saying, Why? Why? Focus, focus, <laughs> focus. Why? You can, yell, you can yell at Riley for that later, okay? No, Just no, focus. No. But uh, yeah, but that it, thing is sweet, man. It's the perfect, perfect oh, animal. She's an angel. I love her. Yeah. Okay. But isn't focus. also a ahead, citrus Owen. tiger? They're talking about with citrus tigers being a. I saw someone post up about citrus tiger asking questions, saying if it was a morph. 
and no. people had to come and say it's not. It's a line, and it's a line of Tiger. Tiger is the morph, and it originates with Balin. So it's one of those things where sometimes people just don't know, and they need to kind of be – they kind of need to dive a little bit deeper. So there's okay, that. Okay, well, we've done podcasts on it. I wrote posts on it. Stop, on my stop. No, one listens to mean, our, I, no one listens to our <laughs> backlog. No one goes to our website. There are, clear, there are clearly people who out there who stop don't it. understand how the neurological aspect of a jaguar gene and its inheritance works. I mean, there's still people who think that they can influence that. They don't. They don't understand what they're even working with. So it's just because there's a constant wave of new keepers coming in, and they're just yeah. like late to the game. Are Which you is telling good. me, Riley, that I cannot breed the neurological out of a jaguar? God damn it. No, and you can't get a leucistic either, Owen. So stop it. <laughs> we just my had this talk with the oh Europeans on Sunday. <laughs> Jeez. Get in the game, man. All my projects are now gone. I mean, oh, my God. It, yeah, you can't, no matter what you do. I don't know. What do you think, Riley? We've been kind of hot yes, in the conversation. Riley. I'm curious of, like, Star being show. <laughs> Well, okay, so first off, I don't have any diamonds or diamond blood, as far as I know, in anything. Um, that's just one Lies. of the things that... <laughs> as far as I know. Because that's probably the as truth, most truthful statement. He could, he just doesn't asterisk. know about it, yeah. That was the asterisk I put on everything. Um, oh, I got you. So I'm free of perjury. <laughs> okay. Smart. Um, Good man. Yeah. Good man. But, um, <laughs> Uh, the only reason I haven't is because I just, I don't feel like I could do them justice and respect with uh, a limited space and like the aspects of what I've got going on. And when I'm, you know, in a permanent home living situation, instead of a rental sort of deal, and I can maybe, uh, have, you know, a little more sway over the, the space usage around the place. Uh, <laughs> right. Then I'll do them and do them properly. Um, as far as like lines and things go, I don't, I'm not like as well read as some people are. I don't know how much is like exactly traceable back to like imported stock or zoo stock. Like I'm sure San Diego zoo stock is traceable. Um, yeah, there's no few other things. Well, the zoo has to have that paperwork. So like if it came from a zoo in the States, um, you know, you can, you can probably safely assume that they've got the documentation for whatever. I don't know. But I really don't do have firsthand experience with it, but um, I, I would just think that like, it's the same as everything else. Like you, you either can trace it back to like the bag that came overseas or you can't. And if you can't, then it's just like every other jungle or coastal or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I haven't been up to speed on the recent debate on the Cypress Creek thing. I have heard, you know, talk about that being a a debatable subject, but I don't know. I guess to me, it seems like, you know, the same thing as trying to say our jungles in certain lines are pure or not. It, I don't know. At what point are we just splitting hairs because we really don't have documentation one way or the other? Right. Yeah. And is the story and- enough? Is the story enough? Is uh yeah you know once you know the story is that enough like when is it not when is it when is it considered you know um, legit or as legit as it can be you know what I mean like when when do you, I, when, it, I guess it just depends on you right 
It does. Yeah, it comes down to the it comes down to the buyer, the individual buying the animal or looking to purchase or acquire some sort of animal. Otherwise, it's it's relevant to the the individual across the board. And I think the only reason why it might upset somebody if, like, say that line is considerably less question or more questionable than other lines, the folks mm-hmm. working with those other lines that might have a lot more. Um, validation to their purity if they're asking X dollar amount for their offspring putting in the hard work and and really specializing in that and then somebody with, you know, potentially questionable lines has success and they command the same dollar amount Um, if it's more questionable to those individuals who work with the more certain stuff, it's definitely probably something that would upset them like if I were in that position and I had something that was like more or less considered pure and that somebody came on the line and had something that had like question marks and they were commanding the same price, I'd be like, you know, what the hell? Like you, that's not how this works. Um, and you see it perfect example in jungles. Like, although they do have some answers to that, you know, like some really high, high many, contrast many. animals, but like, yes. <laughs> you know, stuff that has a lot of lineage and a lot of background and a lot of selective breeding and everything that comes from a reputable source and it can go back generations, like they're going to command top dollar, rightfully so. And if I come on the scene with like, you know, something that doesn't have anywhere near as much validation behind it and I ask the same price, like I would, I would probably get a lot of, you know, slack for that. I would think, um, and rightfully so. Yeah, but here's the thing. Are you going to get that price? Because all that would need to say is is that it would have it would come out eventually that these animals for the same price have been flushed out further. And then again, it all depends because I think where people tend to, tend to get a little bit more uh, upset about it is I have these animals and they are valued at this because I've put in all this time and work and I have uh, – lineage going back 19, 20 years. And then here comes somebody who says they have almost the same kind of animal, but they're offering it for like a couple hundred bucks less. And they're selling out. What are we really talking about here? Are yeah. you mad because I mean, your animals won't move too. at this? It is. But now are you mad because your animals won't move at the price that you set them at? Well, whose fault is that? You know, should you lower prices? Should you care at all? You know, I think, if you set a price for an animal, you should stick to it and not give a crap what somebody is selling that you might deem as inferior or 100%. not on the same level. Don't don't care yeah. if they're selling it for two hundred bucks a pop and you can't move yours at twelve hundred. Yours are worth twelve hundred. Stick to it. That's where people tend to get yeah. a little upset. So I agree with that, and that that probably takes a strong stomach and maybe not relying on the income that comes from that in order to tolerate a little bit longer of a wait. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You maintaining the value of something because it's worth it is 100% worth it. Like, let's be real. Rodents aren't so expensive that you need to drop the value of an animal like 30% of its asking in value um, just because like you had to feed it a couple more times. Like, that's a load of crap. Um, I don't know. I just think yeah, like you said, you should stick to your guns because adding that aspect of like your validation and your you know belief in in you know faith in your project, like your reputation is worth something too. And I think the effort you put into it, 
comes out and the effort you put into like maintaining that, standing your ground and, you know, communicating its value and really keeping that um, quality aspect out there. It's not just the health and the overall value of the animal. Like it's, it's everything about it. It's the presence. It's the, it's the way you um, explain it and, and keep it distinct and make it unique and really work it in your own way that adds, you know, an extra layer of, value to that and if you can communicate that to somebody it's absolutely worth it yeah and if you stick to your guns with a project people will find you other people who think that the project is important or want to buy in on a project they will come and find you and don't worry about this kind of stuff you know and i would recommend that if you're working with diamonds you know get all this all the other get get them get all the bloodlines you know just know that you probably can't, if you take a Cypress Creek and bring it to a San Diego, people are going to get upset about it or say that they're valued less. Just understand that and maybe don't cross the two, you know, just, or do it one year. You don't have to breed the same animals every year, year after year after year. You can take breaks and stuff like that in between. There's a lot of different ways to do this. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't think that that debate will, I don't think that this debate will ever be, you know, put to rest. And it seems like it pops up every, every you know, couple of, maybe it's the influx of new people coming in, which, like I said, is awesome, you know. And yeah. maybe, maybe uh, you know, we're not doing a good enough job uh, putting that information out there. Or, you know, I would say this, it's like, I'm all for like educating new people and all. And I think it's great, but there comes a point where like, you know, it's called Google, man. Like you can look (laughs) up, (laughs) I mean, how did we do it when there was not such a thing as the internet? And somehow we, you know, we read books and stuff like that. There has to be, you know, we read research papers. We read anything that we could get our hands on to try to give us some information about these animals that we, we kept and, and, I don't know. It's almost like sometimes it's a, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Like I love helping people, but I'm a busy guy, man. I got a lot going on. I I work, you know, 60 plus hours a week. You know, there's just so much, you know, doing the podcast, taking care of the animals, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to ask for sympathy at any, any matter, but, but I guess my point is, is that I kind of put a website together to answer (laughs) those questions where I do this podcast every week to sort of, answer some of those questions. And then like, it, it's almost like it's a little frustrating when, you know, you, you do that and you put in all this time and effort into something to try to educate the next group uh, of people. It's just like, man, like, man, you, you got to put some effort into it too. And I think that's sort of what the whole diamond Python thing is. Like, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many people I've seen and, and they go, they see a diamond and python on a show. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy it and everything's great. And they come home, they post it up and everybody's like, oh, that's bullshit. And then they're like, the carpet python community sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's kind of like one of those things like, you know, you got to do a little bit of research first, especially, mm-hmm. you know, carpet pythons can be, it's not like other pythons where there's just like, if you're in the ring pythons, there's only one kind of ring python, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, um, it's the, and, and I think we've, I think in this day and age, everybody kind of feels a little embarrassed if they go grab an animal 
take a picture of it, throw it up on Facebook, and then immediately are told that potentially they bought something that's not what's sitting in front of them, you know, and I got caught that one way too. I posted up a picture of something that somebody told me was from Todd and Carrie and I posted it up on Facebook and then Todd's like, dude, I never worked with those things and never produced it. I'm like, ah, should have called him before I bought this thing. And I tracked down what the hell it was, but you know, Oh, the diamond under- python that you were trying to, yeah. To, to, yeah. yeah the, uh, and the see, that's the thing, like something yeah. or other. Yeah. Oh, that one. I remember that, that one, one too. Yeah. 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 I remember that. It turned that. out to be, and it turned out to be not anything that I bought it for. I bought it for, it was an ivory jungle jag. And then it turns out it was a diamond jungle jag. And <laughs> it was supposed to be a female, turned out to be a boy. I hated that thing. But, it's so like, you know, everything was, wrong. I, everything was wrong. <laughs> everything was wrong. You, and you got to understand now you know, that, that was a, that was a lesson to learn. Now, if somebody, cause then the next time I talk to somebody and they're like, Oh, Howard Redding produced this. I'm like, hang on. I took a picture of it and I sent it to Howard. I'm like, you make this? And he goes, hell no. I'm like, thank you. Like, that's, that's the point is sometimes don't, you don't necessarily need to take people at your word, at their word, maybe take it a few steps down the road. But if you are going to take someone at the word, know that you're going to run the risk of being proven incorrect. You know, right. people, they might not even do it. There's some people out there who will who will totally lie, cheat, and steal their way through a reptile show. That's a given. You know, what do you want? It's I need a male. That's a boy. You know, and then like somebody else come up like I need a girl. Well, that's a girl. Like no, it, it whatever you want it to be, that's what it is. It's like exactly. But then there's some people who, honest to God, think they're telling you the truth because that's what they were told. So. This is the kind of thing. If this stuff is important to you, you may have to take some extra steps. Yeah, like if the Cypress Creek diamonds or whatever you want to call them, we'll call them diamonds, right? So if mm-hmm. that if that line of diamond pythons is 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 a questionable one, but you love the look of them, or you're happy with then, them, or you're enjoying them, do it. Well, what the hell? Then Who do, cares? Then do it. Then do it. And it's but, awesome but that somebody like everybody. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know, but it's awesome like somebody like Brandon who, you know, rather than just take somebody's word for it or whatever, he 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 reached out and he did the research to try to find what the story is. And at the Why end not? of the day, like I said, it's whether or not you I mean, it's whether or not you agree that the story's legit or not. I remember having this conversation um a long time ago about caramels. You remember all the controversy with the caramels and whatever, you know, blah blah blah. Um <sighs> Yes. <laughs> I remember and like, all, you know, of, all of it and the fact that Nick had to post a picture of like, I think it was three clutches worth of babies to, to get yeah, the argument was, to stop. It was ridiculous. And it's just like, <sighs> I, you know, my argument was this, like, okay, if you don't believe that the caramel is a thing, then don't that's fine. Do it. <laughs> but you can't tell me what I believe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it's it's just silly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I know. So I I guess like I guess my recommendation to people that are wanting to get into diamond pythons is you know do some research, try to find out like what's what, and then you know try to try to just uh, you know try to find somebody that you trust is telling you. I mean, there's a lot of great diamond python breeders out there. You know, Tons. I mean there's a lot of people that, that breed them and there's a lot of people that have, you know, different, 
bloodlines and lines, you know, they work with them and they're happy with them. You know, if, if you like a particular look, then, you know, then go for it. You know, the other yeah. thing is, is like people, people, you know, what, even if I said that, you know, uh, let, let's just say for sake of argument, I'm uh-huh. definitely getting searched uh, on the next trip to Australia after I say that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I'm going to watch. I mean, that sounds horrible. Anyway, move on. So. Right. So think about it this way. Like if you're going to Australia and you're going to smuggle a python. <laughs> yes. You're first going to have to find said python. Uh-huh. And what if you don't find the python where you thought you were going to find it, but you find it somewhere <laughs> else? <laughs> well, now my thing Are you going to come turn, back and be like, well, this world diamond... Edge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But my point is, is that how do you know that those diamond pythons weren't taken from Coffs Harbor where they integrate with coastals? Or, I mean, you're going to tell me the look. You're going to tell me that. You're going to tell me because it looks a but certain way. Have or it has a certain, has a certain amount of rosette. The fact. You know, we're, we're looking at U.S. stuff here. We're not looking at – and then pictures of wild things that have been stuff? in the wild. Yeah, they drastically look different. It's, it's Again, even when you go down to it, unless you're going to DNA test it, you don't know. And also, like, just – some area that it's not supposed to be in, I'm not going to want to talk about it because then I have to say, I know because I took it off the ground. It's like, that's not... I, I don't know. But, so I, I guess uh, my point is, it's like, if you just, if you're, you're again, unless you were the one that went to Sydney and picked up the diamonds <laughs> and put them in your pocket, then how do you know that the one wasn't from Sydney and one wasn't from, you know... Coffs Harbor or anywhere where it could integrate with something. I mean, if you, if this debate is even in Australia, like some people say, okay. Oh no, the cutoff's here, the cutoff's there, you know, like where's the cutoff? Where does it, where does one end and one begin? You know, you look at some of the Australian forums and like, there's some, some debate about that, you know, they so, should all be Morelia Spilota. <laughs> oh, that would just make it and easier. Then- and then we'll just have, and then and then we'll just have the fight, you know. Cage I can match. finally have a reduced pattern citrus tiger. Woo-hoo! Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Everything is I now. I think Owen everything should be fired fine. for that comment. Damn right he should. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Trying Owen, so you hard. Are fired for that comment. <laughs> You're not producing any Moralia this year, and you make a comment like that. Jesus. I know. I know, I know. man. I know. Let's get Rob on the phone. So sad. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Owen. For yep. your for your treachery and your uh, unbelievable comments, you will have to take next week as a suspension, and you will be off. Understood. I don't want to hear Understood. any any. I don't right. want any feedback. Will, all right. Nothing. You're out next okay. week. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I will take my punishment. Yellow card. Yeah. Yellow card. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, you know, when I don't show up next week, people are going to be freaking out. But yeah, they are. <laughs> Eric fired Owen. Oh my god! Holy shit! I can't wait. <laughs> Dang! So, and I wore I, my Rogue Reptiles T-shirt just for this evening. Oh uh, man! See, now it's now it's a collector's <laughs> item because you know it's vintage. It's like before yeah, the band <laughs> broke up. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry. That was an Eric-ism, like, you know. It's, yes, it's true. Like it's before, it's like from when before Rob Halford left Judas Priest the first time. There you go. See, see the, problem is, is that, the problem is that with these debates, I keep looking at these like Eric does, and I feel like somebody needs to just get in the middle and be like, hey, hey, hey. You know, I play guitars, and I think about it this way. You like a Gibson. I like a Les Paul. They can both make fun music. Wait a minute. Music. Stop. And Stop. I think this you were, you were You were really good. Really, I was like, yo, I dude, I was so I. impressed. I was so impressed that you said you play a Gibson, and I was waiting for the next words to be, and you play a Fender. But you said Les Damn Paul. It. So your oh, yeah. statements I'm are down. inaccurate, and you need... <laughs> You need a super band. You are off for the month super of March. Trouble. That is a red card. <laughs> Holy shit. I apologize I'm to so, all I'm my so, fellow I'm musicians in the audience. It's I don't know ridiculous <laughs> the amount of inaccuracies in this episode already. Good God. <laughs> Eric, I'm free next Tuesday, by the way. Okay, fair enough. I mean... First, we're calling midget giraffes at the beginning of the show. Now, oh my God. we're into Gibsons and Les Pauls are different guitars. I can't. I can't. Oh I have God. to retire. It's okay. It's okay. Right. <sighs> all right. So, okay, back to the snake. All right. Back yeah, to the snake. <laughs> you know, we, we, have, we have a level of, you know, uh, we try to hold ourselves to a certain standard on this show, and apparently we have been lacking – we do one show with the reptile and chill guys, and it's all screwed up now. Dude, so. they screwed us all up, man. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, it's totally crazy. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any more thoughts on that whole, uh, well, whole the topic? Thought always, the thought always goes back to if you like it, work with it. If, you, if, if it's not your thing, don't, and don't knock somebody else. And then – the only thing I would leave it is the last thing would be is if you can find an animal that you're totally cool about, totally all about, and that maybe let's say like you're big into pure diamonds and you get one of these Cypress Creeks and I will deal with that in a minute. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at the second statement. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. Wow. All right. We'll deal with that in a second. No. But I'm saying that if now say like you're totally big into pure diamonds and you go and you buy one of these animals and there's some question marks. If you're not okay with that, but you still really enjoy the animal, you don't have to breed it. You can just keep it. I know it's a weird thing, right? <laughs> so yeah, do that. So, but you know, that's I would just say if you like it, keep it. If you don't like it, don't keep it. Okay, that's your closing statement. You're sticking. To it, it is. That is. I, I the defense rests, Your Honor. Okay. So, Any other yeah. words of wisdom from you on the topic, uh, Riley? Yeah, I mean, if uh, if you need a certain level of documentation and like seven generations back to the point where nobody wants to answer the questions beyond that because there might be some legal implications, and that's the standard you need, then do that. If you like and trust the source and you can't go that far back, but the animal looks good, it's healthy, you know, there really isn't any other suggestions about questionable nature, then go with that. I mean, snake's a snake, damn it. Like, (laughs) if you like it, buy it. (laughs) 
if you want a freaking like seventh generation captive bred U.S. like you know diamond python, if that exists, then you know hold out for that or do your homework to to find that. Otherwise, you know understand what's available and and take that into perspective with whatever you're buying diamonds, jungles, coastals, whatever. But like, yeah, I mean I can understand they're a little bit more difficult and less common, so they're more valuable and all that sort of factors in but um yeah it just comes down to the buyer like if if you know what you want then be prepared to put in the work and the money to get what you want otherwise what else is available is what's available and don't complain about it yeah yeah i agree okay that's good i like that damn that's messed up <clears throat> um <laughs> So, I thought there was something uh, there was something uh, pretty cool that I saw on the pick of the week. I don't know if you guys caught it, but that vertical maze thing that the the uh, um, the zoo is doing with the mm-hmm. uh, Doomrolls power. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was thinking that, you know, that was a cool way to, you know, we talked about, I think before on the show about, um, you know, doing these, th- oh shit. Now I forgot the word again. You're going to have to enrichment. That's it. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's, I don't know. That's, it has the word rich in it. They're, they're, yeah. they're binders of ideas of toys you can make for every animal in every zoo. And, but see, Owen, you, you yes. also have a zoo background, so to you that is a common thing. Like, that's in your brain. That isn't a normal thing to everybody else, believe it he, or not. He, he yelled at me for guitars. I'm going to yell at him for this. So, you know, sure. help my back right. here, Riley. <laughs> I'll take my lumps. I'll take my lumps. I'll agree. I never claimed to be a professional. On this Shut thing. up. Uh, you know. Shut up, you third wheel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. But yeah, I thought I thought that was a that was a pretty cool idea of like you know uh, I don't know I just kind of thought that was pretty interesting how they did that and I don't know if the snake really gives a shit about it or not but you know I would imagine that you know if they like climbing or something that it would be kind of cool I mean so ha- let me ask this question because you guys both come from the zoo background when you're doing something like that and trying to find those enrichment activities uh, for your snakes or for whatever animal. Like, how does that come about? How do you think about those? Well, don't both for, answer at once. Okay, I know. Well, it's for me, when I used to do it, we had um, your, you had to have a certain number of enrichment things for animals, and you had a binder showing that you had enrichment and enrichment ideas and things in place for all the animals and mammals and stuff like that. And there wasn't really that many that were supposed to be with the reptiles. Um especially with like snakes and stuff. Um, there were a few, but there wasn't a ton. And the guys who inspected us didn't really seem to mind that. Like they weren't looking, they wanted to make sure the primates had all their enrichment in place, whether or not the snakes had it. Eh. Um, for what I did was trying to find the best way to get every animal to do something. And sometimes it was as simple as, if an animal shed is taking the shed of that animal, ripping it apart and throwing it in other animal cages so that all those other animals kind of 
had the experience of smelling that other animal, a foreign animal. They go looking for it. They move around and do that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Also, sometimes having a drip pan in there, so like water's trickling down from something, uh, that'll help out. Um, with some crocodilians, you can do boomer balls, and actually some crocs, uh, or a lot of crocs actually find out that they can be trained a lot, like clicker trained with hitting targets, so they're oh, a lot smarter dude, than some yeah. other stuff. So crocodiles are like the big thing now is that crocodilians can be trained and a lot of zoos Mm -hmm. are starting to work that into stuff. Um, Before it was, how do you get the croc to do stuff? Well, you tie it up with ropes and you throw it someplace. So, you know, it's uh, they're doing that a lot better. Um, So I would see probably more stuff like this being included as ways to get certain reptiles up, moving, interacting, feeling a bit better. I mean, there's, there's YouTube uh, things of like people taking these giant balls and throwing them into like adult crocodilian cages. And then you watch the croc for like the next three hours attempt to kill this thing. It's enrichment. Just chalk it up or uh whole prey items that they have to rip apart. That's enrichment, something to smell. Um, every once in a while you get those perfume packets in like a magazine, like the little page that smells something you rip that off and you throw it into a snake cage. You'll spend 20 minutes going, what the hell is this? Like that's, the whole point is interaction. So Mm -hmm. uh, this is what, this is probably a form of enrichment that was in a book, which is cool because then, you know, it's working at it and it's doing something. It's time out of the cage and time out of monotony. That's the whole point. Yeah. Reptile enrichment is a, a relatively new concept. I've seen some manuals of enrichment proceedings from like conferences in AZA, um, conferences from back in the 90s and you flip through the manual it's all uh birds and mammals there isn't a mention of reptiles in there um and it's not really a thing until like the 2000s um as far as publications go and i've seen one really awesome video and i I neglect to say that, like, I can't remember the name of the zoo that was doing this, but they had an indigo, and they made a maze that had all four walls and entrance and an exit, and um, it had a plexi lid on it uh, so they could film it overhead and observe, and they put a rodent in, in one particular, like, nook in the maze. The snake had to find it. So he, like, spent however long doing that, and then he finally found it, right? So then the next feeding session, when it came down to feed him, they did the same maze, but they put the rodent in a completely different location, and the indigo immediately went to the original location where that first rodent was given, was disappointed, Mm -hmm. and then had to go back and search around and find it. And so that was a very, like, elaborate form of uh, enrichment, but enrichment Mm -hmm. can be anything that creates novelty in the life of an animal you know with tortoises it can be as simple as turning up the dirt and like piling up a bunch of rocks in the middle of the yard and just watching them lose their minds for like an hour trying to figure out what the hell just happened to their world but you know it's it's really as simple or elaborate and creative as you want yeah, no, you dig a hole and fill it with water and dirt in their yard, and they're just like, for weeks, that's all they're going to do is, like, get healthy and just, they have no idea why, but they're just going to do it. Um, yeah. I And so it's, 
with snakes, it's just one of those things because, like, if you ask anybody, they're like, well, what do you do for enrichment? It's like, ooh, well, you know, they don't really respond to much when you think about their natural history. It's either sense, textures, you know, the stimuli they respond to, and you don't want to really go too crazy with feeding response types to me. Like, you don't want them to accidentally ingesting something they shouldn't, so then you really just have to get even extra precise and creative, which means your your range of options is limited. Um, and oftentimes it's as simple as finding a, a novel object with a different odor and introducing mm-hmm. it into their habitat. And they'll just spend hours or days investigating, peeing on it, you know, like turning it around, crushing it, whatever, like bending yeah. it in the nose, you know. So it's, it's, it's fun. To, it's like a brain game for yourself, though, because it's really hard to figure out what your animal's going to respond to. Right. And you know what's funny is that uh Eric down near us the Philadelphia Zoo found a great way to do this with their cats. If you go to the Philly Zoo, they have the Big Cat Mountain which is every uh single enclosure is interchangeable. So the lions spend Monday in the left enclosure and then Tuesday they spend it in the middle enclosure. And the tigers mm-hmm. are now in the left enclosure. So the male tiger for half the day spends his day wandering around wondering who the hell has been in his yard and marking his territory. Well, then on Wednesday, lions are back in that territory. So now he's walking around going, who the hell has been in here? So it's a constant thing where they will spend time trying to figure out stuff, and it curbs the – it gives them stuff to do and stuff to think about and activities. So, you know, that's the whole point. And it's just that's what the whole thing of enrichment is. And with reptiles – like Riley said, they're just starting to get it because they're starting to figure out more and more that these things can respond to that stuff. I mean, uh, I was watching um, the Bronx Zoo thing where they were clicker training gharials to line up for feeding. And uh, it probably was not as easy as the show (laughs) portrayed it. I can tell you that much. But by the end of it, they would respond to a target and a cone and they would line up and they'd all get fed individually which is great because now you can track which gharials are taking which food and wh- how, who's eating this and what eats in that, and it might help out for breeding later on. So I guess the question is, how, do you, how does the average keeper you know, try to do something like that in, you know, in their collection um, to try to you know, maybe push snake keeping further? Uh, there's... I would say start with the scent marking. Like if a, if a snake sheds, maybe take that whole shed, rip it up into pieces, and throw it into other snakes' cages. They'll investigate it. They'll slither around. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe take away their hide box and put like a cardboard tube in there until the cardboard tube gets like peed all over, and then go back to their hide box. Like or fill the hide box with different stuff. There are ways to do these things. I mean. Um, it would just require you to go above and beyond the keeping it with uh, the same crock dish and on newspaper, you'd have to start getting a little bit creative. Like I said, those perfume pages that you get in a magazine, um, tearing those up, snake will investigate those. Um, it might even be as simple as, you know, Riley said not to, not to go crazy with the food response in the zoo is a good idea, but you know, what's to stop you from varying the diet, aside from you being afraid that it's not going to eat fluffy white rats anymore? You know, try that. Sure. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, I gave I gave my white lips and my olives quail the other other week because I got a bunch of quail for cheap. They ate them, <laughs> so you know yeah. they didn't seem to mind. Well, I mean, one thing we can ask is like, if we're trying to target a good audience for people to like have new ideas that they can draw upon to provide environmental stimuli to their animals so their life isn't so basal and routine. Let's look at what the majority of people are keeping their animals in. It's probably racks, a couple tanks, mm-hmm. but it's mostly racks for, you know, the, the large amount of people who are keeping, even if it's just a rack of simple ball pythons or something. Um, and so what does that entail? Well, most people are probably doing printed newspaper, some sort of paper product, a bowl, and if if we're talking about a small percentage, maybe even a hide. Um, so what's really different and novel from that? Well, instead of paper, you use substrate or um, uh, CMC reptiles. Eduardo has this like really cool natural pulp paper product, no dyes, no chemicals, no nothing. And it's mm-hmm. thicker and he swears his animals are like, more comfortable eating on it better, shedding on it better. You can spray it. It's natural. It doesn't leave any, you know, nasty chemicals in your snakes that, like, you know, printing press people die from inhaling after two decades of working in it. Um, right. So, the, like, there's different <laughs> novel options. Yeah, that's a whole other story. That's just gnarly. It scared me. I just I hung out with him the other day, and he terrified me with paper stories. Um, but, like... Switching up bedding, adding yeah. um, a hide in a rack. Even though a rack might be dark and secure in the back and they're comfortable, put a hide in because guess what? If your tub is tall enough, it adds a shelf up there. Yep. Um, you know, the water bowl, put a big-ass water bowl in there if you just got a little cup and you're talking. Yeah, just like switch it up once in a while. It doesn't have to be a regular thing. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about lately because I got those um, – those butterfly perches from uh, David Brahms in the, the Southeast Carpet Fest auction was I was going to build um, just a little holding perch so mm-hmm. that when I'm cleaning animals, I can set them on this plastic um, perched up sort of apparatus to just sort of hang out, exercise, do the thing while I disinfect the tub, let it sit for a few minutes, clean it out, you know, maybe check a few others and that animal gets a few minutes of stimuli, exercise, whatnot, and, Maybe I'll just leave on it for a while and go down the line. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, Not, anything that switches up their daily routine is good. Anything. Like, even a stretch on the floor. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Well, no, that's um, about putting them on a separate purse. We used to do that with the uh, macaws, parrots, and uh, and then we also had a separate thing for the raptors. So the mm-hmm. macaws would have all these toys in their enclosures. And then they'd have, to- and then the perch that we would put them on for cleaning had toys that they had never seen before. Like they would only see them on the perch. So, you know, macaws can be those kind of, I don't want to be on the perch and it'll like scream and try to climb down or, you know, right. run across the floor or puke on you. If they really love you, they'll do that. Um, so this was a way to kind of be like, look, new toys, distraction, and like all that other stuff. And that would be that. And then with, the birds of prey we would put them on that perch and we would have kind of like somebody feeding them or training with them in the meantime we're like hiding you know rodents in their cage and stuff like that so when they come back they're going to scavenge and look around and 
flip stuff over and duck down and check stuff out. So, you know, it's kind of that too. Maybe do something where uh, you take a thawed mouse while the snake's out of the cage and just kind of like rub it in a corner and then watch how the snake reacts. It's like you can do a lot of stuff. So, training training is an excellent form of enrichment. Um, if you work with animals that are in glass front enclosures where you have a left and a right sliding door, you can certainly train an animal to understand the difference between you entering from the left and the right door, one for feeding, one for any other sort of cleaning or interaction. Um, that's been documented dozens and dozens of times over. I can tell you people locally nearby me who do that. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's all sorts of ways to do it, you know, like on the extreme end, kind of, uh, piggybacking on what you were saying, Owen, with like the novelty of toys and things with birds. My yeah. girlfriend, um, back in Santa Barbara, she, one of the the species she would care for would be the the gorillas. And mm. what she did was she she printed out and laminated uh, a sort of a blank calendar, and every month she would recreate it. And what she did was every day she sat and wrote down a different form of enrichment mm-hmm. and based on like texture, food, scent, um, puzzle feeders, uh, you know, toys, things like that, and made it so that nothing was ever used more than like three times in a month and never duplicated and this and that. And it was just the most elaborate thing, and the animals absolutely benefited from it. I mean, their mental activity and the engagement throughout the day was skyrocketing. And there's mm-hmm. no reason why you can't sort of do something maybe less extreme, but still certainly as effective with snakes. I mean, you, you got to understand their ecology and their natural history when you're coming up with an enrichment plan. Like, what's their activity budget throughout the day? Well, half the time they don't move during the day. So you, you, you're you going to find out what your limitations are as far as how often you can offer enrichment that's effective, what types of enrichment that's effective, what's safe, what isn't, and and just run with it and experiment. I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, you're walking down your neighborhood and a magnolia branch is down. Well, guess what? Bag up all those leaves, throw them in a the freezer for a couple of days, and then once they're out, chuck them in a snake cage and watch what happens. Just like yeah. anything like that can can be you know, amazingly beneficial. So put a rock in their cage. I, <laughs> it's like you could just yeah, put a rock in the I tub. Mean, yeah. Yeah. I just went out and bought like a bunch of different um, types of substrate again today. Cause I'm just going to like switch it up on a few animals again, just because um, why not? You know, like it's sort of a seasonal change. Let's give them something uh, different. So I, when I, um, when I had the mangroves here, I would go buy a whole, uh, hen cornish hen one of those small hens <laughs> and i would just put it in their cage and let them jurassic park oh. the shit out of it <laughs> so it was just like Beautiful. that was enrichment i let them get i let them just tear at it for hours and then they'd sleep and i wouldn't have to feed them for like three days <laughs> it's like oh yeah, yeah. it was great <laughs> so you know i, I taught a uh I, I taught a 58 year old female alligator in santa barbara how to do her first death roll because <laughs> Jesus like she'd never been fed in any manner that would encourage a death roll, right? She wasn't a large animal. She's not a crocodile ripping out a carcass. So why would that ever right. be a thing in a zoological institution? But it's a great use of muscle and exercise if you can stimulate more activity and feeding with any animal, right? Um, yeah. 
And and so what I did was I uh, a, a local company had donated some like grade A, you know, human consumption style beef to the the zoo as a carcass feed for some of the big cats and i i asked for a chunk for the alligators because i wanted to try this idea and i i drilled a hole through it uh this five pound hunk of like steak that i sort of wanted to take home for myself and um <laughs> fed like a few a few threads of twine through it that was pretty thin gauge that i knew if she yanked hard enough would snap and then attach that to like more of a nylon rope sort of deal Mm-hmm. I hopped in the exhibit with her with my backup, you know, we targeted the other end, got in there, slapped the water with it a bunch, stimulated a feeding response, which was the first time she'd really had to like go after some commotion in the water, you know, and she grabbed it. And then I sort you know, when somebody gets like a dog toy and they just get a dog and they just can fling it around the yard and it's just flying on the end of the rope. Well, it was kind of like that with her in the pool. I was just running back and forth across the pool, but it wasn't getting the death roll because she was just, like, holding on for dear life, but, like, not really putting up much of a fight. She was kind of along for the ride and yeah. not going to give it up. And then I started doing, like, an up and down shake and just, like, really just like when you play with a dog, you know, with a rope toy. And next thing I know, she just starts getting so fired up, she starts rolling and rolling and rolling and there she goes, her first freaking death roll, and she yanked this thing right <laughs> off the dang line That's and, awesome. boop, and took it wow. over to the far end of the pool and growled at me and, like, splashed water at me and told me, like, this was her kill. And like, oh, yeah. I've never seen this predatory behavior out of her. Like, she's a sweet animal. Um, and I saw an instinctual side of her that I'd never seen before in the six years working with her. And, like, that was a very, very awesome form of enrichment. So she probably ate it and fell asleep. Yeah, it's done. And that was yeah, that was her no, day. That was that it. Thing down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was gone. I didn't I didn't feed her for two weeks after that. Yeah. So there are ways, and it's some it's simple. Mm-hmm. It can be simple. You know the 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 obviously the the two animals in the zoo that have the biggest enrichment binder are the gorillas and the elephants for the obvious reasons that they're the gorillas and the elephants, but. It's it's much easier to get a snake or reptile enriched. So yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay. That's some cool. Uh, <laughs> that's some cool ideas as far as. Uh, um. Wow. Okay. I got a message while I was popping I like, out. Not from, I like not from your head that though, Eric. Bringing up the uh, the furthering the snake husbandry and keeping it because I know that. I've caught wind has been a topic of as of late as like we've progressed with lighting and water features and feeding food items in various ways and things for lizards and geckos and frogs and so on and so forth. But snake eating is still, you know, racks are good in this way. And, and don't get me wrong. I use racks and cages. I'm not saying one way or the other, um, but it's been on my mind lately and I've been trying to come up with, you know, maybe there's a like a, a better way to house animals that is still space efficient. I I don't know. Like it's on my mind. I I want to figure it out too. Like I want to find a way to progress the keeping because you know, like with a lot of reptiles, if you just focus on keeping them well, like uh, as according to the natural history, and get them mm-hmm. to thrive, they'll breed for you without even trying. There's a woman locally here to me who bought two savannah monitors and were more than likely imports 
and she assumed she had two females because they're just grown at the same rate, same size, going along, getting along. She housed them together, like however blasphemous that is in the modern world, world, I don't care. This woman is a great person, and she loves her rap house dearly. And uh, without realizing it, she had a pair, and they bred, and she came in one day to 16 perfectly fertile eggs, and those are in the incubator uh, for my local shop owners of place, um, you know, and she didn't intend to have success or even try to breed, but what she did was she focused on giving them the right husbandry, what they needed, like just whatever kept them from giving you stereotypic behaviors, eating properly, digesting properly, hydrating properly, growing properly, like all these different things that ultimately define whether or not your animal is thriving versus just surviving. And without intending to, she bred Savannah monitors, which how many people do you see doing that? Not many. Uh, and to, to be honest, it's because I think people don't keep them together because where people tend to fail with monitor lizards, at least is what I've been told, is the introductions because they've been kept apart. They put them together and then their two adult Nile monitors decide they don't want to deal with each other and somebody gets hurt and then they never try again. Um, so it's almost like raising up from little ones together, cohabbing. It's where uh, a few of my friends that do monitors have had success. So, yeah. But, Isn't that kind of important, too, with, like, um, Ackies and stuff? Don't you really have to kind of have them sure. growing up as uh, as pairs and stuff like that? Yeah, because they can, again... Important, important, and they can be violent to each other. You know, you don't want it to lose yeah. a foot, so it's yeah. much easier oh just to raise gosh. everybody up. Yeah. See, see, that's why I deal with snakes. You don't have to worry about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the owner has a, a black dragon, uh, mm-hmm. who's a sweetheart. She's an absolute puppy dog. You know, she'll climb on you, and then he's got this big head black dragon male named Addie. And uh, he cohabbed them from little ones all the way up to adulthood. And they lived together and they moved into the shop together and they made the, you know, the transition into a new environment together. And then one day after seeing some breeding, uh, the male just like grabbed Ruby's arm and just nearly destroyed it at uh, the shoulder area. And, you know, a couple months later, several thousand dollars of vet bills, this animal has full mobility of the arm, still has some white scar tissue going on, and she laid a full, perfect clutch of eggs this year. So, uh, but it was, like, one of the most stressful things. It was, like, $8,000 in vet bills. And it was just, like, yeah. that's, that's kind of stressful, and I can understand why people are breeding certain species of monitors as much as we're putting snakes together because very few snake breedings end up in, like, consumption or bite wounds, although it does happen in a small amount. Right. And it doesn't take away from the stress because I can tell you I'm nervous wreck every time I put a white lip in with another white lip, you know, and then I had to be... Yeah, I'll be I'll be right there with you next year with my Crevos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And all I can think about is people with blackheads do this. It's like, you know, no. <laughs> I don't think blackheads are the, as bad as the rep they get. You know, we've talked to a lot of people yeah, and like true. they, I think ring pythons are probably more of the, uh, it just, 
Oh, and you know, I have firsthand experience with both of those species as a result of this shop lately. Um, oh. As far as breeding goes, too. Yeah, so okay. the owner has a trio of ring pythons that he's raised up for the last four years and a, a trio of blackheads. And um, the blackheads, uh, introducing the males is like no issue. Um, mm. At least for these individuals, as long as you, you know, they're they're active. As soon as you open the enclosure, they're, you know, you interact with them, and pretty quickly they realize you're not feeding them. Uh, the ring pythons—that's a whole nother ball game. Those things are just, uh, you know, I don't like those damn things. Um, <laughs> maybe it's because maybe it's because the enclosure. Like, the way the back room is set up in the shop, I literally have two feet between, like, the rack and where I can stand, and this thing's taking pop shots at my face. Um, <laughs> but the one female is just a demon. The other one's, like, semi-tolerable. The other male's a demon, and they're sneaky little bastards. Um, but they're just, like, dense muscle springs. They're insane. But he uh, he finally got some breeding activity out of them. And I think based on what his observations have been, what my observations have been, um, Mm -hmm. some of the research he's done is with that species, because they're known to eat one another and it's a very real thing, your male needs to be the same size as that female. Mm -hmm. Like bottom line, she needs to be on par with that male and maybe like the nasty behavior is beneficial in that way. But, um, his male is the exact same size as both of his females. And um, if I didn't know which one was which, you you wouldn't be able to tell visually just looking at them based on size. And I think that is, like, one of the biggest factors. Um, and he just got a clutch from them um, from first-time parents, and it wasn't that great. He's only got, like, five semi-decent-looking eggs out of it, and it's first-time parents, and they're about four, so they probably also need to be older. They're huge, so yeah. I think they're more than physically capable, but it's their first time, so I think maturity is a big factor with them. Um, I also think they need to be kept a little bit more humid uh, than your generic pythons. They need to be like 60-70% humidity, like damp bedding, so they can shed well. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I, I... Rings are like funny colored white lips, in my opinion. So you know, very much. I just so, keep... yeah, and and fresh water is a big deal with them too. It is. It is. Oh yeah, for sure. That's a big thing. Like constantly changing that water is kind of mm-hmm. what I. Yeah. I haven't had any problems with sheds. I, their minds are still small, but um, just staying on top of the water. I think I change it like three times a week. Just yeah, fresh. Yeah, I think that's important with them for sure. Yeah. I am uh. I I recently got uh, blackface white lip again, and mm-hmm. it was going through a shed, and I knew it was going to be horrible, just because it, it always is. And I just kept giving it this moss filled with mulch hide box because it was on paper because I didn't have any mulch to put it on, and I'm like just just don't make it horrible. And I just soaked this hide box like every other day. And it peeled perfect. I'm like, God damn. So it's like sometimes you can kind of get around it with certain things. But rings, they are so unforgiving when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. 
cool species though. But now you know yeah, why no. that they're not as popular as they were. Of course, they're mean. Oh, <laughs> gee, hmm. <laughs> they're mean, and everybody wants it to be as bright orange as an adult as it is as it was as a baby. And Damn, wouldn't that be cool if they were? <laughs> it would be, but no animal is that bright. Like it, it maybe a colubrid, but you know everything fades after a while. You know, come on, they're still yeah, yeah. people. People still need to see an adult ring python because they're freaking badass. They really yes, are. They are. Nice. Like if you get good quality. That golden black has plenty of contrast. Like I'm sorry, it's not orange, but that thing's still smoking. That thing's bad. Yeah. Yeah, the, the iridescence yeah. on it, all that kind of stuff. Very very oh, cool. Love it, dude. Yeah, love it. and I've been I've been watching the. Uh, the females at the shop like go through their cycle and ovulation and everything, and they glow just like a lot of pythons do. And um, their belly tends to have a lot brighter color. And so when you open that enclosure and they're like belly up inverted and they've just got that gold and black and yellow and it's just iridescent, it's like a jungle and a crebo and like all these other things all mixed in one. And it's just, it's hard to sit there and look at that and go, hmm. That's gonna be. It's not as pretty as the baby. You're just like, damn, that's bad. <laughs> Who cares? Hmm. It's just right. awesome. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, speaking of uh, breeding and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. so I have two thoughts. One, we'll talk about what's going on with breeding and stuff, but I thought hmm. this was, I saw Howard posted this up, and I thought this would be a good topic for people, especially since we're kind of you know, I guess we're kind of like at the warm up stage for most people for a breeding, but you know, the whole idea of getting respiratory infections, uh, during breeding season. Um, I don't know. I really, I really don't have a knock on wood that issue. Um, but I think I, I would say in my opinion, the most important part of that whole process is just heating the room or your cage or your rack or whatever back up to the normal daytime temperature so that snake can sort of, uh, you know, heat up and get back to where it needs to be. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, the room dropping down again at night, it really doesn't matter, you know, well, there are limitations. I mean, it's not going to be freezing, but, um, you know, I think that that, you know, uh, idea that they had that they can't withstand or, they get stressed out um, because of the temperature. I don't know. I just don't buy into that. I think there's either some kind of other issue um, or uh, they're not able to thermoregulate during the day to back up to, uh, you know, the right. temperature that they need, you know? Yeah. What do you guys I think? mean, well, you got to watch for that because if you put the animals together and – there's a huge size difference between the male and the female, you know, kind of keep mm-hmm. that in mind and maybe check on it because if she's bullying him away from the hotspot, yeah, he can't thermoregulate and he is going to get an RI and that's something you got to think about. And then maybe you want to keep him in there for like two days and give him two days off. It's kind of like that. Like you might have to swap him out more or you might have to move that pair into a cage with a larger uh, hotspot. I don't see it that often with what I have because the cages and the heat panels, I've seen where they'll share the hotspot, 
But then I've also seen where maybe one will be on top of the bin, one will be in the bin or next to the bin. So it's like there's a large enough hot spot for them to share. Um, I could definitely see it happening in a bin, though, where, like, the female, like, blocks him off from the back if it's back heat or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, gotcha. yeah, that's what I would say. So I, I, I would definitely say that also breeding can be stressful for both males and females and added stress plus inability to thermoregulate will result in sickness. So, you know, we, we said it before, trying to breed your snakes is probably the most dangerous thing you can do to them. So, yeah, just be wary of 100%. that. 100%. And if 100%, something looks yeah. wrong, if something looks wrong, pull them. Like, you know, don't if don't try to don't put the eggs above the animals that you have. Like, don't try to keep getting those eggs if something's off. Like, just just call it off. There's always next year. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's really stressful on both both male and female, especially when mm-hmm. you're, like, putting the male in the female's cage for a few days. Well, you know, your female's bigger than the male. She probably can consume the entire surface of the hot spot if you're doing belly heat or absorb most of it from a uh, heat panel. So, you know, think of it as a, a numerical problem. Like they're going to be splitting that 50-50. And if your male's smaller, it's more like 30-70. So he's not going to be able to heat up. Mm-hmm. So you do have to pay attention to that. Um, you know, it, it goes back to the, the question of how can we improve uh, what we're doing if we're still getting our eyes but the sign that we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe it means bigger tubs for breeding and a larger surface area of a hot spot if you're doing a rack system for even smaller species. Um, or maybe it means running you know, six plus foot animals in cages with like really, really large hotspots or an overhead, uh, an overhead incandescent bulb to like just crank a hotspot that they can go and thermoregulate to themselves at will for a few hours a day. And going back to the old school, like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, there's clearly questions, so there's answers to be found, but I think it, it all boils down to trying to figure out the balance of natural history and the husbandry that we're implementing with today's methods and technology and seeing what we can improve. There's something to improve. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll share my story with, uh, with that situation is um, actually it's with poison Ivy and uh, you know, the the one year I I bred her, um, I had, uh, I bred her to, um, Tiger IJ and uh you know he was um he was on the big side compared to her and uh cuz I keep my animal small that one I got from somebody else and uh it was uh bigger than what I would keep a male at so I put them together and I think that's exactly what happened is is that the hot spot wasn't big enough um, mm-hmm. to accommodate the both of them and not really uh, 
taken into thinking that, you know, because most of the time what happens for me is, is that they both sort of coil in the hot spot, but my males are so much smaller than my females that it sort of doesn't really matter. Um, and, you know, for people that come to Carpet Fest, they'll see what I'm talking about. But um, it, it never was an issue. But this is the opposite. And he was hogging the hot spot and she wanted the hot spot, which stressed her out, which she was on the other side. And then, you know, luckily for me, I caught it early and was able to see that, you know, something that, you know, like she should be towards the hot. Why is she on the other side? Mm-hmm. And I uh, adjusted accordingly and was able to, you know, she started to wheeze a little bit or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think I don't know what you guys have had, but I, I think like sometimes you see an animal and they and they they experience that stress. They get the respo, and the following season, the same sort of thing kind of happened, and that's, uh, you know, again, able knowing what happened and able to sort of, like, uh, be proactive about it, I was able to, uh, you know, where she kind of beat the RI before it became an issue. But uh, right. I could definitely see where, you know, that if you don't have – Appropriate, and I'm talking carpet pythons, appropriate sized animals where that could lead you into trouble um, because, you know, the hot spot is not big enough. So uh, I, I would I also say. Uh, I'll go for it, Owen. No, I was just going to say, like, I could also see where if an animal is not in tune with your space, like, Correct. say, somebody, somebody sends you over an animal for breed loan or something like that and it's mm-hmm. it's used to never experiencing any kind of temper gradient or anything like that it could not know what to do and it could get sick so mm-hmm. take that into account which is why it's like you know it, it, it needs to understand what's going on and you know you kind of got to watch it extra special i have a i have an animal here that is on loan that i'm keeping my eyeball peeled on because i want to make sure he's okay and, you know, so far, so good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, but I, you know, I don't know how, if he's ever done this or anything like that. So you kind of got to watch him. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I have a, I have a few like very separate and unique situations that sort of lend to a lot of factors involved there. Um, so, like on both extremes too. Um, so I think, one of the episodes that I was on prior was like after all of the fire evacuation that I went through in Santa Barbara. Yep. Um, and um, I have two stories that stem from that, both extremes as far as enduring uh, an illness and, and recovery that, that sort of pertains to the respiratory sort of thing. And um of course, it was during the winter, one animal. Um, so uh, one was a zebra and the other is a jungle jag. And they both started exhibiting uh, symptoms at the same time. I took them into the vet at the same time. They were given the, more or less the same diagnosis and put on the same uh, antibiotic medication for uh, respiratory illness. And the other one, um, the jungle jag, I was also advised to do a little bit of diluted, almost yeah. mouth rot type situation. Yeah. And 
three weeks medication and the and the zebra recovered perfectly and um she's due to actually have her prelay shed in the next week and a half or two here and produce um we'll see what the the odds are with eggs you know i'd be really curious to see if um the medications involved uh last year affect her fecundity at all um and then the jungle jack literally has not eaten in about 15 months, has dropped about half her weight, has gone through several treatments of different medications and antibiotics, and is still on some nebulization treatment. Um, hasn't eaten, has shed twice um, in the last year and a couple of months. It seems to be very, very slowly, but gradually improving, but like, I don't know, this thing's just not doing so hot, but it's not contagious, it's not affecting anything, it's just an isolated sort of thing as a result of having to evacuate a couple months um, around the winter, like just mm-hmm. no heat, and and then uh, a male jungle was starting to show me some issues because he was competing for the hot spot with a female, so I pulled him. And the female just had her pre-op shed or uh, or pre-lay shed, excuse me. Um, you got the job done. Everything was great. She ovulated, and it's awesome. But I, you know, you got to know when to pull them. And mm-hmm. uh, he was already in like the extra inning stages, uh, as far as like if I wanted to toss him in just for security's sake. And uh, you just got to know when to to watch them you look at the the scale condition you you look at how they they move you listen to the way they breathe look at their nostrils all the moisture content things like that and like you said if if you suspect an animal isn't you know maybe in the best condition pull them a little bit and you know so so what you don't get a clutch out of that it's better to still have the animals in their health afterwards yeah, so it happens, but uh, I'm really curious to see how husbandry will advance in the next five to ten years, and maybe we'll find out that it's probably not so good to drop them in these these drastic ways. Maybe it's a more gradual thing. Maybe it's less dramatic. Maybe it's more about photo period and food availability than it is temperature and temperature is something that is a variable that goes on and everybody endures it whether it's there or not because some years we have crazy cold winters and other years not and some years we have really high summers and other years we don't and so maybe these animals aren't cued into the temperature they're just built to endure certain ranges of temperature but more or less pay attention to other factors i don't know yeah well right and i'm also kind of hoping the next couple years we'll see advancements to kind of help out with uh, keeping the animals comfortable in stressful situations. I mean, you, uh, the the three of us were looking at those display cases that like fold out and have like computer systems and heat automatically installed. I want them so badly. (laughs) It's like, I want to just be able to not have to worry about them because they're all perfectly fine in their displays and it's like a reptile show has to be one of the most stressful things you can put your snake through as well i mean oh my god and and i'm i'm like i'm one of the only guys that runs heat on my table uh, like in a row it's like 
come on, man. It's whatever. So I would love to see more hey, things another, like that. It's another area we can improve upon, right? Exactly. There's always room for improvement, right? Always. Exactly. Something to yeah. make it a little less stressful and a little bit better for the snake. So, yeah, I would love that. 100%. 100%. It's really funny because when you, I woke up, I was already like making coffee and breakfast, and I saw that message you guys sent, and I was like, "Holy shit, somebody else did!" This. Sorry, excuse my language. <laughs> it, no, it's our podcast. You can like, say what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I I literally like went over to my computer and was like, "I have a sketch of this exact damn thing that like I drew up because I was talking to a." Uh, to Brian Cusco about it. It was like freedom breeders going all over the place, diversifying and getting involved in all these different aspects of, of the reptile hobby. One of the things that everybody always wants to, to, you know, sort of have sitting around is display cases. Why not make it easy? And so I, I have a freaking sketch of a modulated sort of like, um, three tier snake rack that like pushes back on, unhinged brackets exactly the same way they designed it. I was like, ah, oh, damn. I was talking to Brian about that last year. <laughs> shit. Well, uh, dude, that ship has sailed. <laughs> it, 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 they look so good. And like, you just buy the case and then have your own acrylics. I'm like, oh, oh my God. I'm so like, I need someone to come over and like break my acrylics with a hammer. That's why I can be like, Oh, got to get new stuff. <laughs> I can arrange that for you. Bro. No problem. I need an excuse. <laughs> or at least, at least yeah. come and break my cases. So it's like, Oh, got to get the special case. It's like that. Yeah. I'm I putting mean, a special request out to Joe, Melissa and Matt. Uh, we will make the uh, shit. pilgrimage yeah, you. to your spot and uh, have fun it, breaking it, some shit. It's bad enough oh, wait, that Joe wait, don't break them. Maybe, maybe, maybe give them to to somebody who's in need. Or, or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just go. the cases. The acrylics are fine, and I can just buy the fancy cases. Like it's okay, but um, there you yeah, go. Let's not let's don't not it. let Owen go poor. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very cool. Hobby, dude. <laughs> I know. Well, that 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 ship has sailed a long time ago. Um, but it's oh, yeah. like. It's oh, yeah. different stuff like that, you know, and obviously I've talked to you guys and a few things about wanting to expand my cages to better suit some of the larger animals and stuff like that. So, you know, there's, there's all that different stuff and it's always what you're comfortable with, but I would love to see more advancements when it comes to the technology of keeping them. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, even just experimenting with, like the little things and small variables. It doesn't necessarily have to be like full husbandry manual type thing. Just like start with one thing. Think with bedding. Just see what your animals do with different bedding over the course of a couple of years. See what you like. See what they like. See what you don't like. See what they don't like. Think with water. Finger with um, the surface area of the water as a percentage to the entire enclosure floor space. Tinker with mm-hmm. uh, height, um, temperature gradients, multiple temperature gradients, singular. I, I don't know. Just go hog wild. Like if you know what your animal can take within a safe parameter, then experiment within that. I mean, that's the only way we progress, right? Then like right. Yep. Uh, pushing the boundaries and sort of. Uh, sort of breaking the mold and figuring out what we can and can't do. Like, I'll tell you right now, 
the ball python that is uh, on display at the zoo here in town, that thing climbs a damn tree five times a week. So, really? I hate those oh, arboreal ball pythons. <laughs> I have photographs of everything. adult male ball python climbing a tree. I also have photographs of our European legless lizard climbing a tree. So, uh, do whatever you want. Like, seriously, <laughs> try it. Get a tall cage. Get a wide cage. Get a deep cage. Get substrate. Get paper. Get big water bowls. Like, just whatever. If there's question marks, answer them. Go for it. Like, yeah. within safe parameters to keep your animal healthy, like, why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, and uh, if you have really cool ideas for some kind of brand new technology, maybe don't keep it to yourself on your computer and, you know, uh, actually tell us what you're doing. <laughs> and, you know, it, yeah, yeah, so, you know. Other stuff. <laughs> Ryan said that ball pythons live in barrows and don't see daylight. They only eat medium rats on Sunday in the wild. <laughs> no, no, no. African African soft fur. African soft fur rats. In the, like, come on. I think he got his, his days mixed up. It's Sunday, Tuesday, yeah. and Friday. <laughs> yeah. And that then they they'll all breed. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's the reason I can't buy medium rats because they're so goddamn expensive right now because everybody's feeding their ball pythons and it's like Jesus Christ. Uh, medium rats cost more than large rats right now because Thank you got you. Their ball pythons. I, I, I push I push my animals from small to large just because I don't want to stay in the medium. Now we know why your animals are so big. <laughs> you. <laughs> you know. You know. The Finally, after. We finally figured it out. You know what? The worst thing is that my my, my blue beauties my blue beauties went from small rats to medium rats, and I'm like, fuck, the colubrids are eating mediums now. It's like I didn't want that. You plan your collection where everything is eating mediums at once, and you're like, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Actually, I've done it now so that when they go from small rats, that there are. Uh, birds that are the size of medium rats that are cheaper. So I have quail that are the size of medium rats. So it's like you go from small rat to bird. And then when you're big enough, you go to large rat, like, you know, no, uh, uh, so you go broke filling up your freezer full of medium. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So on the last uh, 15 minutes we got, um, I'm curious to hear, you know, Riley, you can start, you know, because me and Owen have, blabbered enough about what we're doing yeah, this season. really nothing's really going on but yeah talk a little bit about what you got going on because i know you have uh quite a number of pairings and uh we got to get it out there so yeah. uh we, we can get you some uh you know people know but you, get ready you get on your list you, <laughs> you, you aren't allowed to mention papa and python so why okay then i'll okay. i'll mention my ideas oh nice. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I have been I have been defeated. I will now go over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll I'll save you. And I just have one one mention. Um, okay. The, the the clutch that I have in the incubator is about seventeen days in, and it's as perfect as it was the day it was laid. 
Nice. Um, all eight eggs are fantastic, and nobody, and I repeat, nobody can have any of them <laughs> other, <laughs> other, and I'm going to make this public because so many people have been freaking hounding me about it, and I'll just, like, get rid of the disappointment right now. They're all budgeted and planned for a few individuals that are part of the uh, Poplin slash IJ coalition of individuals who care about keeping them uh, going as they are and just enjoying that, that level of appreciation and those individuals know who they are. Moving I don't think forward. I'm on this list, Eric. Uh, I really don't think um, it's, a, Owen, it's just... You know, Owen, you are an asterisk. I'll give you that. <laughs> you, you did sort of like semi-produce them almost sort of halfway kind by of. definition, sort of kind of last year. So I'll, I'll let that slide should some interest uh, expose itself. Um, however, numbers are limited, supply is limited, and uh, time is running out, big boy. Um, <laughs> next, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I I do. Uh, I'm waiting on my female children's python to lay, so that's that's a first for the Antares world for me. So I'm excited about that. Um, I got both that's of my cool. animals from. Andy Grossman, and he like handpicked them out from some half related. I'm really excited. I love these snakes. They're awesome. They're so unique, totally different from everything I have. So that'll be cool. I'm waiting for her to uh, to give me the science to drop. She's definitely got eggs. I've palpated them. So, and then um, my big jungle girl just had her pre lay shed. She was bred to that striped. Uh, uh, ivory van Venner male. So she's got four weeks out from delivering a clutch. And then um, I'm waiting on my Xanthic coastal female to have her pre lay shed any day now. She was bred to the Xanthic uh, zebra. So mm-hmm. That'll be full visual clutch, uh, just 50 50 zebras and um, not zebras, I guess. Um, I know all these visual examples, and then I'm getting confused by my albino Darwin, which means she's probably not going to lay. So uh, yeah. I don't think I'm getting albinos this year. I have uh, a zebra girl bred to, or so Don Patterson zebra female bred to uh, a zebra male from Stephen Katz of SBK Reptiles. And she's due to give me a shed in the next two weeks, probably. She ovulated, and she's showing all the signs that she's going. Um, each day that passes, I'm losing more and more confidence about my caramel female to my uh, my uh, tiger male from uh, from Todd from a bunch of failing tiger stocks, several generations. I don't know. I mm-hmm. seem to have bad luck with coastals. Because um, they know, they know you're. Yeah, they, they know. It's, it's the opposite. You're the you're you're like Nega Owen. It's like you know yeah. you can get the, yeah. the IJs, <laughs> no, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're totally smiting me. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, 
I don't think the Super Zebra Head Exantic took from the Zebra Exantic. I don't know. She's eating. She's not looking huge. So I don't think she's going this year. But she did move from Kenny Valley up to Sacramento last year. So she had a very large climate change. And she's about four. So it's like it's a lot of fresh young animals that are like kind of just having the first crack at it. And some of them are making good on it. And then I've got a pair of Amazon tree boas that I have no idea what the hell I'm doing with them. So (laughs) (laughs) they're doing their thing. The female is eating, but I've heard that's not abnormal for them. And she spends a lot of time bassing and cooking, just kind of getting big and huge. So who knows? I might have some Amazon tree boas this year, but um, one clutch of carpets in the incubator, at least four more coming and another clutch of children's python. So, um, about to have five or six clutches this year. And probably hmm. should have bought a couple more hatchling racks like a month or two ago, but, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. That's awesome, man. You can, you, you know, if you hit on that, you're going to be a busy guy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a good year. I mean, there'll there'll be a lot of firsts for me. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. already having the the eggs and in incubator from those pop ones. Those are 2016 farm bred imports. So, I mean, those things I've I've raised up from uh, from little red neonates. I mean, like I have the photograph of Dan holding them uh, mm-hmm. at the farm in his hand as they're like fresh hatchlings. So. Um, I'm probably most excited about them. I'm really excited to get another clutch from that jungle girl who I've, uh, I've raised up for the last five years. Uh, this will be her second clutch. I got her from Todd and she's just, I love that snake. She's like the best thing in, in the house. Like she's huge because I didn't, I didn't know any restraint. Um, she's about seven feet, not unhealthy, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like she doesn't need to be that big. So, but I'm hoping for some stripes. There's a lot of good stripes, and I think it'll be good. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like to really push the stripe jungle project. It's, I mean, I love stripes. I love tigers. So that's kind of my thing. Um, in any aspect of it, anything that has stripes, I'm all for it. So yeah, um, we'll see. So are you hoping to get like the solid, uh, solid striped or you are a fan of the tipping striped? Um, I'm actually aiming for as little tipping as possible. I, right. I like the, I like the solid stripe. I like really defined scale striping. Like I want scale to be either black or yellow as far as the stripe goes. No bleed over. Um, I think for the first generation of that, I'll be a little bit forgiving as far as some some flank tipping on the lower end. But if if it's like super high tipping, as much as that is a really cool look, I, dude, I want damn like tri stripe. I want nothing but black in the negative space, yellow on top, yellow on the sides, nothing else in between. And if they're gonna have a yellow belly, then so be it. We'll call them bullseyes, but um, I, I want nothing but yellow and black, clean, no bleed over. Tipping is fun. I love tipping. I love banding. I love all the work that everybody's put into 
the selective breeding of generals, but every year I hear all these episodes when we, we bring up or y'all bring up um, jungles and, and everybody sort of is like, well, they kind of hit their peak. You can't get them any more bright, any more yellow, any more contrast, any more this and that. They're at what they're at and nobody pushes striping. It's like, I keep hearing there's a couple of people pushing striping and it, and it goes a couple of generations, but um, I don't know. I, I just, that's always been my, my like keen interest in the back of my mind. Like I just always want that. I see him. Mm-hmm. I think his name is Rajiv Perev over in, uh, yeah. With those, no, um, with those crazy, crazy <laughs> dark black backgrounds and, yes. and the really bold yellow stripes on the dorsal and the flank. And, and they're beautiful, but like they even have a little bit of fishnetting and yellow on that. And I, I just, I don't want that. I want to be a perfectionist. I want to be that asshole that's like, I want black and I want yellow. I want no bleed over. And I want that. And and if it takes me 20 years, then so be it. But I'm starting with some ivory vanabender stock and some beautiful animals from Todd Dyer, who's like, the man to me as far as what I know and where I got my start from and, and that's just that's just how it's going to be and uh, I think more people are appreciative of jungles than a few of the other subspecies and so then being able to sort of bleed that into striping maybe who doesn't like a striped snake everybody does so hell yeah, yeah. just keep it going yeah let's ride that train That'd be cool. I'm with it. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, I guess uh, we've done it. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, Riley, why don't you throw out your info first if people want to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, your YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, people look me up on Riley's Reptiles. You can usually find me on Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, anything like that. Um, yeah, that's about it. I love chatting with people. Send me a message. Hit me up. Uh, I think Instagram is at Riley's underscore Reptiles. Uh, YouTube, if you look up um, SB Herp Life. Uh, you can find me. me up. I'll chat. <laughs> cool. Awesome. All right. All right. Oh, oh well. I'll you know we're Maria no, Python Radio. <laughs> yeah, I forget. You're always the last guy. Maria Python Radio. Um, <laughs> check out a website, MariaPythonRadio.com. I'm working on a new one. We'll get that up. It's almost finished. It's looking pretty good. I like it. I dig it. Um, so uh, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and uh, who knows? Maybe once we start getting this uh, recorded podcast going, maybe even YouTube. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, oh, you better start going. <laughs> um, yeah, who knows? Anyway, uh, as far as myself, ebmorelia.com uh, is where you can check out what I got going on. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> cool. All right. So for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. We have fixed all the problems going on at the website, so you can actually contact me through it. If you sent me something through the website in the past, like, I don't know, two months, I didn't get it. So just resend it or 
contact me further, um, and I apologize for that. Uh, you can also look up Rogue Reptiles on Facebook.com. You can also check me out on Instagram, which is my last name, McIntyre OJ at Instagram. Give me a follow over there. Uh, as far as shows go, I will not be at Tinley Park this weekend, but my animals will be. You can check them out. They'll be with our good friend Brian Waterloo and Andrew Llewellyn. Uh, so it'll be mine. Will be the uh, snakes amongst lace monitors. So you know, it just they'll be bringing down the table. I'm just I'm saying that right now. I mean, dear God. So <laughs> check them out. Um, the animals can be delivered if you want to have something. Uh, pre-bought before Tinley Park. Uh, so, yeah, check that out there. Um, other than that, that's all we have for you guys this week after the two-episode week that we put in this week. Um, ooh. <laughs> ooh. We, <laughs> we uh, will catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.